Welcome back. This is the Get a Grip on Lending podcast. On today's show, we have Tom Beckett, and he is from the Portable Lights America Trade Organization. This is Flashlights. That's right. We're talking flashlights on the Get a Grip on Lending podcast. It was fun as heck, man. You wouldn't believe how complicated flashlights can get, Greg. It's a lot like the lighting industry. You know, we we, heard, we had a good discussion on where flashlights were and where they are now and what it's all about, and it was interesting. Go to satco.com, though, before you do anything else. you got to go to satco.com. They're doing the right thing. They're doing the light thing, man. And I'll tell you one thing they're doing right and light is their recess cans. I use them personally. They have 4-inch, 6-inch, 8-inch, 10-inch. That's a 10-inch. Not a lot of people do. And they have them 122, 77 volt, five color temperatures in each. That you can select it right on there, and three lumen settings, all on these fixtures. So, how many different items is that? That's five, and that covers unlimited number of applications that you can use it in. Awesome. I love the way we get so excited about like recessed cans. Oh, like, I am. I, you know, it's a, yeah, spotlights. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's like, yeah, we got all the different sizes and all the stuff, and it's just like Sacco's got the right line of those, and I just love it, man. I love how excited we get about that. So you got to go to Sacco.com. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. That's right. I can say it. I sell Sacco. So go to Sacco.com. And, of course, they're members, longtime members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, Nail.org. Coming out hot with some new educational products in the next couple months. But for right now, we're talking flashlights on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Tom Beckett. Thank you. Good to be here. Say hello to Greg Eric. Hi, Greg. Hi, Tom. Thanks for being here. Excited to talk. All right. So before we get started, tell us what the PLATO acronym stands for and what your association is all about. Right, so Plato is Portable Lights American Trade Organization. Okay. Um, Plato was formed uh, about ten years ago. Uh, I think we got our charter in late 2010, and it was born out of uh, an ANSI committee that we formed. A group of us formed about three years prior to that. Um, Flashlight industry uh, was going through a you know, technological transition, as I'm sure you know, away from incandescent and toward uh, solid state lighting. And a few of us who had been in the industry uh, for a while recognized uh, a potential problem having to do with how the various performance metrics were going to be reported uh, to the consumer. So just sort of Randomly, a few of us who knew each other kind of reached out and said, what do you think we ought to do? And somebody suggested writing an ANSI standard. <clears throat> and so we formed a committee. I think there were uh, 10 of us in the original group. And we hired NEMA, uh, National Electrical Manufacturers Association, to be our secretariat and help us draft uh, the standard. And that process uh, took about three years. Uh, with now probably three meetings a year, face-to-face uh, -face meetings, and then lots of teleconferences. And uh, we sent it to ANSI and received approval, and, and it was published in, uh, around 2010, I believe, the first standard was, was put forward or approved by ANSI. 
And as we were wrapping up, uh, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, now what are we going to do? And we had enjoyed working together and, and it was a good experience. And we said, well, you know, we're going to have to maintain this standard and somebody's going to have to revise it. The ANSI requires periodic uh, reviews and revisions. So why don't we form a trade organization uh, primarily to support that effort? And so Plato was born out of the ANSI uh, committee that we had worked on for, for a few years. And the 10 or so founding members of ANSI were all the uh, I'm sorry, of Plato were all the uh, original members of that of that standards committee. So do you feel you didn't need that before LED? Is it because of LED that you had to form this? Well, I mean, the, the transition to LED was was the thing that prompted it. Uh, many of us, I, I got in this business in the uh, mid-80s, and the big technological breakthrough in those days were the use of uh, gases in, in incandescent bulbs to increase output. So Ooh, halogen. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Krypton and xenon were the were the hot uh, terms of the day in, in marketing and, and sales. And uh, there was, you know, through that period, uh, late 80s, all the way through the 90s, there was just a lot of misinformation and uh, nobody really knew what they were doing. You know, we, we didn't know how to measure. We did, there was no standard way of, of saying how bright something was. We, we did a lot of things where we said, well, it's twice as bright or it's three times brighter or it's a hundred percent brighter or it's 200% brighter. And the I want that all day in lighting. What's that? <laughs> so a lot, a lot of projects telling people it's going to be twice as bright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, because perception and, is reality in the light. Right, and, and so there were a lot of uh, a lot of our customers, uh, both professional and and consumers, uh, you know, were confused. And uh, so when when LED first emerged uh, as a viable uh, uh, component in portable lighting, which was Really, about '99 was the first time we started to to manufacture consumer-focused uh, LED flashlights. Um, you know, we were trying to scramble around and figure, well, how bright is this thing? And we were basically using whatever spec the LED guys gave us. We knew it wasn't right. We knew that what came out of the flashlight was something other than, you know, what they measured <clears throat> in the lab. But it was the best number we had. Well. Once power LED emerged, you know, we were all migrating away from multiple five millimeter to, to a single power LED. Uh, and the numbers started to move up quickly from, you know, a dozen lumens to 30 to 100 to 200. It, it became clear that, that something needed to be done to standardize the way uh, these numbers were reported to consumers. And uh, so, again, you know, a few of us who had been in the business a while and crossed paths, uh, friendly competitors, I guess you'd call us, uh, you know, got together and said, you know, let's address this. And we had, you know, our, our customers, especially big retail customers, they, they were sort of clamoring for it uh, as well. So there was there were a number of things that prompted uh, this process. Got it. So what do you, I, I mean, I can take a guess at it, but what do you consider portable or what is considered portable? Well, okay. So we have a definition in the, in the standard and I, I don't really know. I can't 
quote it to you, but um, handheld portable lighting are the things that you would imagine. So a flashlight, a headlight, a lantern, a spotlight, anything that you can uh, carry in your hand easily and does not have to be plugged in. So it could be rechargeable, it could operate on primary batteries. The things we do not uh, cover in the scope of the standard are, um, you know, powered by mains electric, right? So not nothing plug in, unless it's just to recharge it. So like big interior work lamps that have to be plugged into the wall, those are we don't we don't deal with that. It's strictly portable. Why is that? Do you think? I mean, I, so, I well, I, I kind of guess, but I mean, a lamp to me is portable. I can put it on this side of my desk or this side. Yeah, I don't right. have to plug so it in. the the inspiration for this uh, effort was was uh, flashlights uh, and headlights, and the companies that got together to produce the standard were all flashlight and headlight manufacturers, and were not in, uh, you know, desk lamps and interior architectural lighting that's not our business okay so question wait, wait, you, and I, i'm saying this facetiously the first thing that popped in my head is like man who, who cares about flashlights but i mean that's when you think about it there is a consumer protection element to this in terms of which flashlight performs better is basically what you're talking about right yeah, the, the what we recognized, uh, and, and initially, you know, our focus was on uh, lumen output, right, brightness, because that's where the, the, the claims were the most, uh, or the false claims, I guess you'd say, were the most egregious, right? And, 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 and frankly, just because we didn't have a standard, we were all guilty of putting a number out there that we just really didn't know what it was anchored to. to uh, and because... And because the technology was moving so fast, um, you know, the, you know what the curve looked like in solid state lighting for the last 20 years. It's been, you know, we, we were getting devices that were twice as bright, you know, every every 12 to 18 months. Um, we knew, you know, we knew it was going to be really confusing for the consumer. So, right. The primary purpose for Plato and in developing and maintaining the standard is consumer protection on the on the metrics that we measure, on the metrics that we care about. And those include lumen output, uh, water uh, ingress, you know, waterproofness, um, beam distance, beam intensity, how long it runs on a set of batteries, those sorts of things. Because those are the things that consumers and professional users care about. And when they, they wanna be able to compare two products Side by side, they want to know that the numbers they're looking at are based on the same uh, standard, on the same measuring techniques. Now, is there, uh, with lighting, traditional light fixtures, which we're more into, they also factor in delivered lumens. Do you get into that with the portable lighting, or is it just lumens as a whole? Delivered lumens? Yeah, I mean, are, are you losing some light in that flashlight, or is it all yeah. coming out of well, there? Right. No, that's exactly the point. So in the very early days, when LumiLeds was the only power uh, LED manufacturer, you know, they made a product that they knew in the sphere that the rated input, you know, produced, let's say, 40 lumens. We knew that by the time we put it in our optical system, whether it's a reflector or some kind of an optical lensing system, 
that something less than 40 lumens was coming out of the flashlight. We just didn't know a standardized way to measure that. We all had, you know, our techniques, but they were all different. And so, you know, we all had crazy numbers, right? And uh, so that was the whole point was um, we knew that the uh, lumen values uh, that struck a target, uh, you know, were going to be less than what the LED was, was rated at because there's anywhere from 5 to 15% loss in your optical system. Okay. So what is the maximum lumens that a flashlight can do? Do you <laughs> get up to an amount or is it? However big you want to make the thing. Yeah, well, you know, uh, that's a, a tough question. I mean, yeah. if you go on Amazon, you know, you can see flashlights <laughs> that say they're, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of lumens. Right. Um, my guess is today, uh, if you're adhering to the standard, uh, you could produce a working flashlight, you know, north of 3,000 lumens. Uh, that functions, you know, pretty well, you know, and runs for more than 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I, I think you're probably not being honest. Sure. Um, I, you know, you can do anything you want, right? I'm sorry, go ahead. Does your association serve consumers or does it serve its members? Plato is a trade organization whose mission is to support the industry and the industry participants. Our mandate and our mission is to uh, protect our end users and enable them to make good decisions uh, when they're comparing, you know, various products. Uh, Again, if you're, whether you're in, you know, a sporting goods store or a mass merchant or you're buying from uh, an industrial supplier or you're a law enforcement uh, agency trying to compare uh, various products, our goal and our, our, our mission was to enable those buyers to take two products, line them up side by side and compare the uh, features and benefits and not have to worry that if they both say a thousand lumens, one of them might not be. Or if they both say the beam goes 300 meters, one might not. That they're all measuring from the same playbook. So, so who actually produces the tests? Who produces the tests and how are they? Do you have a, a certain body that does all your testing for your products? So uh, manufacturers can, can choose a number of uh, methods. Uh, you can hire an outside lab like uh, UL or Intertech, or any number of other accredited laboratories. Uh, Most of the primary manufacturers in Plato uh, and others that are not members of Plato have their own uh, laboratories, as we do. So we have have a laboratory here in in Columbus and two uh, in China that we we utilize to to, uh, do our measurements. And... uh, um, we, of course, we do correlation testing, uh, periodically to see if we're, you know, if the equipment is still calibrated properly and so forth. Um, and then Plato has an oversight function, uh, wherein we can examine products, uh, that consumers suggest might not be, uh, accurate in their, in their uh, reporting. 
and we'll, we'll take it upon ourselves to test it independently uh, with a third-party laboratory to see and then advise the manufacturer that, you know, they have some issues if, if it turns out they do. Um, what are the consequences if they have issues? Oh, well, there really aren't any uh, unless a consumer uh, feels they've been cheated. You know, they can take uh, consumer action. Plato doesn't have any enforcement mechanism. Uh, we advise manufacturers, and, and frankly, most manufacturers that we've uh, reached out to, and there haven't been as many recently. Early on, there were uh, a few, uh, and it was just uh, it wasn't intentional. It was just they they didn't know how to measure correctly, and so uh, we helped them. That's, that's part of our our mission is to help the manufacturers do it right. Uh, we are working on a. A new scheme, uh, I shouldn't use that term, but a new project. <laughs> ah, that's Mike's favorite term. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in conjunction with uh, UL, uh, Underwriters Laboratory, uh, Laboratories joined uh, Plato uh, two years ago as an associate member. Um, and we've been working with them on a certification program. Uh, wherein they will, it, it'll be modeled on the Energy Star program, where manufacturers mm -hmm. have to submit their test data and their and their results uh, to UL, who then publishes the data on a website, and then there's a uh, annual uh, surveillance uh, program that UL conducts. So we're <clears throat> we hope to well, and it may be a little bit delayed with with everything that's going on in the country right now, but we. We believe the program will be ready and live by summer, and manufacturers can subscribe to it and uh, ultimately be able to use this uh, UL mark that they're going to give us. And that will give uh, consumers further assurance that the, the data being reported, uh, either online or on retail packaging, uh, is accurate. And, and so that, to me, to me, there's different kinds of consumers of flashlights. Okay. So, right. um, you have, do you guys break it down into categories? So like for me, there's like military and police, then there's, um, you know, security and other professional applications. And then right. there's the general consumer who's going camping. Right. Um, do you guys have categories for this? And if so, what are they? Well, the industry sort of self, uh, segregates, uh, you know, manufacturers have specialties, uh, a member of our, of our organization, uh, several members are, are focused on law enforcement and military, uh, or first responders and law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, other manufacturers are broad-based generalists, uh, that, that produce products for, uh, consumers. Um, some of them then specialize in, say, camping and outdoor, like Coleman. You know, Coleman's mm -hmm. customer base is, uh, is campers. Um, so the industry uh, certainly recognizes channels of distribution, whether it be retail channels, right? So you, you sell different products to drugstores than you do to sporting goods stores, and you sell different products to hardware stores than you do to mass merchant retailers. So there's that, uh, but then broadly, and I think more to your point, uh, yes, there there are different audiences, different 
uh, users uh, in portable lighting, um, law enforcement, first responder, military, uh, industrial users. So some of us make uh, safety rated flashlights for hazardous environments, you know, sure. static free, explosion proof uh, for like uh, railroads and shipping and uh, sure. mining. mining. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, but the vast majority of, of uh, flashlights, headlights, and lanterns are sold to everyday consumers. And, and they can then be further broken down. You know, uh, people buy flashlights for their shop, for their workshop, or for, for their home, household use in the kitchen around the house, or for a camping trip, as you, as you pointed out. Um, so that's quite a, quite a broad uh, array of potential customers. See, to me, to me, there's a, there's a difference. Like if you, you know, if you're saying uh, making claims about a flashlight and you sell it to the military and it fails in a, a, on a military mission, I right. think that's a really big problem. Actually, you know what I'm saying? Well, like if you're, if you're in a firefight in the night and you need your flashlight or whatever, yeah, that's one problem. If I'm camping with Greg and my flashlight, this, this thing is a piece of crap. Greg, let me, let me borrow your flashlight for a second. Right. There's like a there's like a difference in 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 sort of severity of consequence should the flashlight fail like if you or doesn't perform the way it performs. Um, is there grades like do you have a professional grade and consumer grade or is there anything like that? Well, not that not that Plato designates. Okay. Uh, again, manufacturers certainly do that. We we make uh, some professional products. We also make products for general household use. And we delineate those in our marketing materials and to whom we, we, we show those products. We make industrial products for, for big industrial uh, uh, resellers like, um, you know, Granger, those types of outlets that sell into power plants and manufacturing facilities. And they have specific needs, but their needs also run the gamut. Sometimes they want to a highly specialized product to work in a hazardous environment where there's gas and other flammable materials. Sometimes they just want 150 cheap flashlights to give to the guys out in the parking lot or something, you know? So it, it, it runs the gamut and, uh, but Plato doesn't get into uh, those designations and we don't make any distinction in terms of uh, the application of the standard. So if you're selling a flashlight to the U S military, and you say it produces 500 lumens for 33 minutes, you use the standard. If you're selling a $3 flashlight to Walmart and you say it's 50 lumens for five hours, you use the same standard. The, the measuring techniques and the equipment involved and the math are all the same. Now, everyone has to use the standard, though, or do they have... Flashlight manufacturers have the ability to say they're going to use it or not. At some yeah, the, the standard is totally voluntary. Hmm. Uh, there's no law or regulation that says you have to use it. If you're going to use the icons to represent your your metrics, if you're going to, use, we we have we developed little bugs, little icons that people can use in their marketing materials on their packaging uh, for each of those various metrics. Little boxes with iconography for lumen output for runtime for uh, uh, waterproof for beam distance drop test uh, all of the metrics if you're going to use those 
uh, metrics that belong to the standard that are controlled by the standard, then you have to measure by the, to the standard. Yeah. But you know, you could start a uh, you know Greg's flashlight company tomorrow and say you got a six trillion lumen flashlight <laughs> and not use any standard. Right it, now, are consumers know. willing to pay more, or is it more on the retailers that are supplying them that it, make a stance and say we're only going to supply lights that have the standard? Yeah, pretty much all of the major resellers of our product, retail and wholesale, uh, require any claims that be made uh, on the product be made according to the standard today. Uh, our major customers back in 2010, major retail customers, uh, big box mass merchant retailers and uh, some specialty retailers like REI, uh, Home Depot, uh, they they were demanding something because they you know every week flashlight guys were coming in saying oh my flashlight's got this many lumens and, and the next guy would come and say oh mine's you know twice as bright and they needed some some way to to kind of get control of it and that's more than anything that's what drove the development of the standard. Mike, does this sound like the lighting industry we're in? <laughs> You know, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, that. I was all, I was thinking about, you know, the issues surrounding disruptive technology, right? So you have a disruption and then you start feeding things in like Chinese manufacturing, right? You start feeding things in like, you know, bet you I could go to, well, not right now, but uh, three months ago, I could go to Shenzhen with 50 grand and come back and be a flashlight manufacturer the next day. Very easy. Right. And and so like the the it's one of those products that um, lighting is like that as well. I mean, you light bulbs. I mean, it's very difficult to delineate for consumer. Like, it's almost like when I say this, I say it facetiously, but there's truth in it. It's 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 like there's about light bulbs. I just want to buy the cheapest bulb that fits in the socket and move on. That's what the consumers feel like. And a lot of the commercial customers are the same way. And now in, in our business, like when I think of flashlights, if I want to buy a premium flashlight, the, I only think of one brand, that's Maglite. I'll yeah. think, oh, you want a good flashlight? You buy a Maglite. No, Greg, do you, do you have another brand in your head you could think of? No, that, that's the one, yeah, that I think of too. Yeah. Right? I would say, showing, you guys are showing your age. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> right? Um, and so, like, there isn't, there isn't the same brand leadership that there has been. Uh, in lighting, there was. So we used to have the three major manufacturers that were clear, standout leaders in the industry. They would put out white papers. They would dictate. They worked with NEMA to create ANSI codes for the lamps and all this kind of stuff. Right. And they and then people would copy them and bite off a little bit of market share from them, but nothing massive. Now, the, the lighting industry from a from a lights, light source perspective and a light fixture perspective is, well, a shit show. There's... Yeah. There's a lot of different people in the yeah. game. There's no leadership. And in, in, in flashlights, I mean, is Maglite the leader, Tom? No. Um, <laughs> no. Well, no. I, you know, it's interesting. And I, I, I didn't mean to poke fun at you about your age. But it, okay it, is, it is reflective of probably when you came of age. In the, in the late 80s through the mid-90s, uh, you know, Mag was a dominant uh, manufacturer for good reason. They they probably more than anybody in the last fifty years, you know, sort of transformed the industry in terms of 
what the consumer expectations uh, are or can be. Um, but other than MAG, no one has ever really developed any brand loyalty or brand recognition in flashlights. Okay. I mean, those of us in the trade, you know, we know who our competitors are and we know brands, but just like you guys, uh, if you grab 10 people in a mall and ask them to name a flashlight company, they'd either not be able to name one or they'd come up with mag if they're of a certain age. <clears throat> well, mag lights were cool, man. They had the yeah. little big, they're big, they're hard. You could hit someone with it and beat them up. The weapon. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, it was like a tough guy thing. I got my mag light here, boy. I'm going to shine yeah. it in your eyes. That's right. No, they, they did. They, to their credit, I mean, uh, Tony Maglica was a visionary in many respects. Um, you know, we were, we were selling, uh, you know, there was, in the 80s, there were really five major suppliers of flashlights in North America. There was Dorsey, there was Energizer, there was Rayovac, there was Coleman, there was a family out east called Garrity. I don't and know those brands, yeah. Right? And there was Mag. And for us, a ten dollar flashlight was a was a high end product. You know, I mean, eighty percent of all the flashlights sold in this country, uh, or in, in North America in general, uh, you know, sold for under four ninety nine. Hmm. And so you got the ten bucks, and you know, you you were that was like premium. Well, Magnum. Yeah, said, I, I was okay. Go no, finish your story. Well, you know, they they said screw that. You know, we can get twenty dollars. We can get twenty five dollars for a flashlight. And I think a lot of people, ourselves included, said, oh, you're nuts, you know? Who's going to pay that much for a flashlight? Well, <laughs> they proved that there was a huge untapped market for a premium product that was more than a, a utility device. You know, it was a, it was a piece a of jewelry. status symbol. It was well, a status it was a, symbol. Yeah, it was like, you know, if you, if you were into any other sort of finely made machinery, you know, whether firearms or... All kinds of sporting goods products or whatever, you know, you, you, you got the same feel when you picked up a mag light. It was a a, a well crafted piece of, of equipment, not just some piece of crap that you threw in the glove box. Yeah. I hate to say this, and God love all those other brands, but I mean, when you're buying Garrity Energy, you're buying a battery, you're not buying a flashlight. Even if you're getting the flashlight with it, you're kind of buying a battery. Well, yes. I mean, the, the CEO of, of, uh, what used to be, what was it called, Union Carbide, that eventually became EverReady and Energizer, you know, once famously said that a, a flashlight is just a tube to hold batteries mm. and, and use them up. And it's true. I mean, if, if you, if you again, if you survey consumers, they would know Energizer today as a battery company that, oh, yeah, that's right. They make some flashlights, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so right, there just is. There's never been strong brand loyalty or brand recognition in the in the larger sort of consumer marketplace for flashlights, and that's why probably why the standard is more important than ever because consumers, when you know, if it's on their shopping list, you know, if, if they're out, whatever, and and oh yeah, we need a couple of flashlights for this camping trip, they don't really go into the store with a brand in mind most. They go into the store with a price point or a utility, an application. Uh, maybe they have some idea of where they're going to store it or how they're going to use it. So they have some sense of the size or the, 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 the texture, the material they're looking for, the form factor. 
but they end up in front of six, eight, ten feet of flashlights at a Walmart or a sporting goods store, and then they go through the process of making the choice. And uh, you know that we want them to be able to compare my flashlight and Energizer's flashlight and Coast products and a mag light on an equal footing, and be able to say, yeah, you know, they all say, you know, this one runs a little longer, this one's a little brighter, this one's, you know, can be submerged or whatever. But they know that they're we're all singing from the same hymnal, so to speak. That's interesting. I, last time I bought a flashlight, it was I actually spent time trying to figure out which one to do. I actually yeah. sat there and I'm like, because I'm in lighting, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try to figure out which one's best, and I couldn't. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it is just, really confusing. And we, we, yeah. you know, I've been doing this for a while, and I've had a number of retail experiments where we've tried to accelerate the consumer uh, through that decision process by organizing the products in, in different ways so that they can sort of self-select and eliminate, you know, 80% of the planogram and, and focus on the area that they're most interested in, uh, given their application uh, that they have in mind. And, and, and we do know that that's a big problem for, for retailers, for our customers, yeah. because they want to carry a broad selection. They want to be able to capture every possible sale from mom who just needs something for her purse all the way up to, you know, a guy that's going backpacking for three weeks. And you know, that you results know in a lot of SKUs. Okay, two questions. Okay. Yeah. First question is, um, do you have a tunable flashlight? Tunable, color-wise? Yeah. <laughs> it's been done um, in a variety of ways. Uh, you can obviously, you can do it electronically now with, with uh, drivers that address certain parts of the chip. Early on. Because uh, I hate 50K flashlights. I want to have a 2700K flashlight. You want to have 2700K? Yeah, everything I like. See, my, that's my problem. When I go to buy a flashlight, I want incandescent color. I don't want 50K. Everything's well, there 50K. Is a, uh, there is a uh, uh, very slow and very small at, at the moment. Our company makes a, a few products with uh, where we're paying attention to CRI, which we never really did before. Uh, you know, all we cared about was max lumens brightness yeah yeah, yeah. And, and not only measurable lumens but apparent lumens and we all know mm -hmm. that the cooler color temperature appears brighter uh to the human you know senses but we we're producing some uh high cri uh products mostly uh in the industrial area for uh service techs uh try looking at a big a wire harness with a, you know, a really cool white LED and discern the three different shades of blue that are in that 40, you know, wire bundle. Um, so we're getting some demand for uh, what would essentially end up being warmer um, uh, LEDs, warmer output uh, to generate a, uh, you know, a CRI of, you know, at 90 or, or better. So that color distinction is, is, uh, is better. So do, you know who, do you know who Nido Kubain is? I'm sorry? Kubain? Nido, Nido Kubain? No, I don't think so. Okay, so he's like an American, I don't know, how would you describe him? He's like a coach, speaker, he's got a bunch of businesses anyway. He, he, one of the one of his his uh, his shticks 
I shouldn't say that. One of his arguments, yeah, I, I love him. So he's a, good, he's a great guy. Anyway, he says, what do you want to be? You want to be a Hershey or do you want to be a Godiva? Not that one's wrong. Not that Hershey's bad, but, it, you know, you can buy 100 Hershey's for three bucks. Right. Or a Godiva. You wrap it in the, in a box and you put it in a package and you, you think and you sell it for one chocolate is $9, right? So what do you want to be? So if I was going to start a flashlight company, you know what I what I would do? If I would I would associate myself with a really cool firearms company. Yeah. I would call my flashlight the Glock 26. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be in good company. Uh, okay. Uh, there are quite a few. I don't think the firearms companies directly. Uh, but there are certainly licensed deals and cooperative deals sure. uh, with Remington. Yes. Uh, with uh, not Smith and Wesson. Who's the other guy? Uh, I don't know. There's two or three. If you go to the shot show, you'll see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I think that I think the angle to make money in flashlights, it, it just to be a premium, I think it's what Mag did. And I'm just speaking whatever. What the hell do I know? But I think the only way to make money is the tactical approach. To make your flashlight a piece of tactical equipment that's superior to others, that men that like things that work really well would pay more for. And then to have a price point that's above, it gets you some extra profit, but that's not really ridiculous. So that's what that's what I think. My son would want like a tactical flashlight called the Glock 26. <laughs> Get him that for his birthday. You know what I mean? Here's a flashlight. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, uh, you're not wrong. And all you have to do is walk the, the aisles of the SHOT Show to see. Uh, where, like I said, in, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, there were five primary uh, suppliers of, of flashlights in this country. And uh, if you go to the SHOT Show, there's probably 150 uh, different manufacturers of of flashlights and and again they're heavily represented uh in in tactical law enforcement uh very expensive uh phoenix is a new company that's come on uh the last few years i don't know if you've seen their products very sophisticated um especially in terms of their electronics they're programmable um yeah they're very expensive uh but it's you know like there's no easy uh industry it was, I'd, I'd be doing it. <laughs> the crowded business, uh, there's there's hundreds of tactical, you know, you got a couple of guys like Surefire, Streamlight, uh, you know, that, that dominate that end of the business. Uh, ASP is another manufacturer that makes premium quality law enforcement directed uh, flashlights and other related products. I mean, those guys probably have, 80% of the market and everybody else is nipping around their heels. You know. Is is anyone still making non-LED flashlights or is everything <laughs> LED? <laughs> we may have been the last. Um, and I, I think I'm pretty sure we're out. We, we had a halogen spotlight that some customers just kept begging us to make. And, you know, the quantities just kept, getting smaller and smaller. And I think we finally bailed on that last year. And that would have been our last non-LED, even our super low-cost economy products, which were the last to go really, 
uh, are now are now LED. So you know, it, it, just to comment on that, I used to. So it's what's sad, I think, in this, is that flashlights have gone from being something you buy once to an almost disposable product. Well, one time use. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, I think we've I think we've gone through this cycle actually, because we know now that because the LEDs last so long, uh, our repeat sales uh, are less than they were between, say, the well before my time, but certainly from like the mid seventies up towards the nineties um, before LED. You know, the, the for again for the consumer, it was cheap plastic. How much can I get for how little? And it was disposable. It was like, we, we actually made disposable flashlights for that reason, right? You could buy them for two ninety nine, and when the batteries were dead, you couldn't get in there. You just threw it away. Well, nobody wants to do that anymore. But prior to that, if you look at the history of the of the industry, particularly in the U.S., um, you know from the inception, right? Late 1880s, 89, 91, 1891, all the way through the 50s and 60s, flashlights were something that you held on to. They were made from steel. And they, you know, and you, and you would go out and buy a new bulb. Well, who, who, you know. I used to sell tons of replacement light bulbs for flashlights in the, in the early 2000s. Yeah, we used to go We're the lab for yeah, Meglite. We're the last of the Mohicans. We do sell replacement bulbs. All right. Uh, Tom Beckett, Tom Beckett, we're going to get you to throw the Plato website out there for the listeners. So if you're if you're selling a lot of flashlights and you want to join, what types of membership do you have? Do you have an affiliate membership? Do you have a vendor membership? How does it work? Well, well we have a uh, full voting membership. So you have to be a manufacturer with a, uh, with a headquartered operation in the U.S. Uh, we have affiliate memberships for media. And uh, academic, academics, um, and we have an associate membership for companies that are related to the industry, like testing laboratories um, and so forth. So there's really three different ways you can join. If, if you have any relationship to the industry at all, well, there's a home for you at Plato. It's uh, plato-usa.org is the website. And you can read all about us there. You can see uh, there's some videos on there um, that show what, how the standards are measured, the equipment we use, and what they mean. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good information there. One more thing, Tom. My producer has a question for you. He might be a flashlight dork. What's going on, Scott? No, no, this is okay. So I don't, I don't know if you can tell me this, but this is a different flavor of dork. You went with the acronym Plato. Did you have to work for Plato, or is that just the word that tumbled out when you were? Throwing you know, to be honest with you, I don't. I'm sure it's in our minutes somewhere, um, but I don't recall how we ended up there, and uh, I I don't take ownership uh, of it. Because I I just wanted to confirm deny on whether this was a shout out to uh, the cave allegory. Uh, no, uh, it was the, the, the original driver was, uh, we wanted the word portable. We wanted the word, uh, lights or lighting, and we wanted the word America in the, uh, in the <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so all I remember is I came back to a meeting after a couple of weeks and that's what they came up with. There was a little subcommittee and we said, okay, sure. How many members do you have? I think we're sitting at around 33, 34. Okay. Probably, if, if, you, if you follow the, the trade at all, or if you go into a major retailer or look on a website of a of an industrial seller and bring up their uh, list of manufacturers, all of the names that you might be familiar with are, are, are members of Plato, for the most part. Tom Beckett, thanks for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. My pleasure, guys, anytime. Thanks, Tom. Thank okay. Satco.com, S-A-T-C-O.com, baby. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. And they're doing recessed cans right, Greg. That's right. And I said it before that they have the color temps and lumens, and that's good, right? We need that. We like that. That's awesome. But what they're even doing is they're recessing that thing up there. So it's not a surface-mounted can like that a lot of people have where it's a glare bomb. This is looks like a nice architectural can where the light is up, recessed where it belongs. It's a recessed can. Recess the lighting. Satco does it. They put and they also have spring mounting clips, 122, 77 volt, and the driver is remote mounted. So that makes it last longer. It makes it easy to change. They're doing it all right. Satco knows what they're up to. Whew. Go to satco.com. That's S-A-T-C-O.com. Every distributor needs an account with Satco. If you don't have an account yet right now, get in touch with them immediately. They got so many products, Greg. They just have everything, dude. Massive warehouses that ship right away. They take weird small orders from distributors to, to serve them. And you know what? Satco's about supporting distributors too, man. They're really, they really support the distribution model. And so just so much admiration for how that company is run and the, um, the people that work there. So go to satco.com. When they say we do the light thing, we do the right thing. They are being 100% honest. S-A-T-C-O.com. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, that's nail.org. Satco is a proud member. We're proud members. We love it. Um, so you should get associated with us. That's nail.org. And of course, thanks to Tom Beckett from Plato. Uh, that was an interesting conversation about flashlights. Who would have thought we could speak that long about flashlights and the regulations and the different things they got going on? So it was fun. Thanks, Tom. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you.